Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. So much, Caitlin and Brandon, do I get to work with the coolest people. Really, really awesome. Oh my goodness, Youth Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the year and it's raining. Oh my gosh, you guys, we had a carnival planned. I got a bungee run coming. I was at, we have like 20 cans of whipped cream that we we're going to throw in each other's faces. John Ireland sighing with relief this morning because I was going to try and try and get him up there. But alas, California is the new Hawaii apparently. And so we're so wet and um, rainy that we have to postpone our carnival. I'm very sorry. We're thinking maybe Father's Day weekend. That might be fun. Um, Throw some pies in mom's faces. Hilarious. For cash, of course. There's always an angle with me, but um, no, truly, we, we were ready to celebrate. Thank you for coming out in the drizzle, Santa Barbarans. I know it's tough for us. Um, our cars have drips on them. We don't know what to do. Um, but hey, we're, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad to be together this morning. Youth Sunday is a really great opportunity for us to highlight our youth ministry, and there is so much cool stuff going on. Um, not only do we have a robust program, and I could brag about that, for days, Um, but it really feels like the Holy Spirit wind is just at our back right now, which is really, it's such a gift. It's such a gift to us and our students. And um, yeah, we have all of our fifth through 12th graders in here and our new fourth grade students that are coming up. I love seeing the full spectrum of God's family in church this morning. So, so great. And also just um, on a personal note, I I wanna thank you so much, Ocean Hills, for making our kids a priority including them in the life of our church family and acknowledging their value and supporting their growth. Brandon and Rob and I are so grateful um, to serve a church community that doesn't just give words to express support for our kids' ministry, but really supports us financially, gives us the resources that we need to do our jobs. And and it's because of families like yours that donate and, um, and give to the life of our church. So thank you for that. Like I said, I love highlighting and bragging about our youth ministry family. There's so much cool stuff going on. I can't say enough about our extraordinary leader team, the the black shirt squad. Um, We have these adult leaders who give of their time and their talents and their their own treasure to mentor our students. And you are the heart and the soul of this ministry. And I don't deserve the credit that I get because it's because because of you guys that really our ministry life heart beats. Um, So thank you. And we do have terrific students. And I know for many of you guys, this is the end of a season. We're coming up on the end of the school year, which is a great time to, to kind of be celebratory and also be thoughtful about the year that has passed. And so um, sixth graders who are going up into seventh grade, we think of you today and we celebrate with you that transition. And eighth graders going up into high school, we acknowledge and honor you guys and congratulate you as you move on to the next part of your life. And high school students, seniors, oh, my little sweet spot. That is such a big transition. So congratulations to those of you who are graduating from high school this year and our college graduate friends. I know many of you um, 
We have friends at Westmont, but also I know many families. We have graduates um, from other universities and colleges around the um, country, and so congratulations to them as well. Um, typically, my wheelhouse is to stick to the external um, report, if you will, of what's going on in our ministry and celebrating that and pointing out, pointing out. And a strange thing happened this week as I was preparing my message is that I felt like God was laying it on my heart to point in. Because as I, like I said, it's easy for me to celebrate what's going on in our youth ministry and to mark a year and to think thoughtfully about, well, how could we have strategically done that better? Or, you know, what could we do better next year? But I feel, I feel like God has been telling me, you need to share about how you've grown, Lila, that, about the growth that's happening inside of you. And that's, that's not always easy, is it? And I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown. And she's all about leading with vulnerability. And doesn't, doesn't her popularity kind of give you hope for humanity? Are you a little encouraged by that? I know she has to use like super academic language and she is a Christian, but she doesn't like use a lot of spiritual language, but she is speaking the truth. And she, not exclusively, you know, that's not, the Bible is more inspirational to me than her work, but her work's pretty close. Um, <laughs> But I've just been thinking a lot about vulnerability, and I think that's just how God is using, like, Lila, point in a little bit. Um, so I'm going to share with my family, because I love you. Friends, I am not the same woman, not the same wife, not the same mom, not the same friend, and not the same leader that I was when I stood up in this very same stage a year ago. And I want to stand up here on the biggest platform that I have, and thank our good and gracious God for how he has worked profoundly in my life in the last year. Thank you, God, for growing me. The girl who stood up here last year, that girl was great. She's dynamic, a go-getter, a gatherer, a high achiever, very well-spoken. <laughs> On the outside, everything was looked, looked amazing, and that was all by design. And that's been the story through many seasons of my life. On the outside, everything seemed great, so much going for me. But on the inside, I felt blemished and bruised, broken and wounded, not by the hand of another, but by the insidious torture of my own self-doubt, my hyper-self-consciousness, my anxiety, and my insecurity. And last year at this time, I was not rooted. I was not grounded, and I didn't truly know who I was or whose I was. But today, through the same power that brought Jesus up out of that grave, my soul has been resurrected. I have found myself. It hasn't been easy, but he has graciously and gently revealed areas of my life that needed his refining resurrection touch. Those old ways of being and acting and seeing the world that may have served a younger me and even protected the younger me, but that are no longer serving me well have been gently sloughed away by the power of his Holy Spirit. He has graciously resurrected me and rescued me from the pit of anxiety and depression by surrounding me with his people, the Jesus people, the most beloved and gracious partner, friends who I'm ashamed to say I took for granted for a very long time because I didn't think I needed them and I definitely didn't think I deserved them. 
the kindest of doctors. Thank you, Chris Thrash. <laughs> and the best mentor slash licensed therapist that money can buy. And she doesn't even ask to pay me or ask me to pay her. That's Gail Clay. I'm truly, truly not saying this to impress you or to look super spiritual or hyper Christian, but because I want you to, I want to point you to the one who has made it possible for me to live in freedom. Jesus. It's because of Jesus that I'm set free. If it were up to me, and this is how I know he's working in my life, I'd be living in the same patterns, going to the same unhealthy places to cope, looking in the same broken mirror to see myself, drowning in the same swamp of anxiety and depression. But because of him living in me, I am renewed. The old has gone, the new has come. And that doesn't mean I get to stop, stop growing, that I've made it or that I'm perfect now. Anxiety and depression will probably always be demons lurking in the corner of every room. But today I am the woman at the well, leaving my most prized possession, which in my case is a jar, like a really big jar full of pride. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that behind and run to my village and shout, I have met the Messiah, and he knows everything about me. I think God wanted me to tell you about the change in me because as I share a little about my thoughts on how discipleship begins at home, the underlying truth of the matter is, and if you only remember one thing I say today, it's that in the end, the only person whose discipleship you really have control over is your own. That's a sermon killer. Remaining in the Father, of, I, just, I just cut to the chase. That's the end. Let's pray. Let's go home. Have a donut. Remaining connected to the Father, abiding in Jesus, seeking emotionally healthy spiritual growth for ourselves is all we can control. And then from that foundation, we can hope to be ambassadors of his love to our family members, to our children, to our siblings, to our parents, to our neighbors, our coworkers, and friends. Parents, our staff can share the best books, the best articles, the best strategies for discipleship. And you can implement them with great fidelity and faithfulness. But in the end, we're just seed planters. And God is really the one who grows our child's faith. And students, I love you guys. And we can send you to the best youth group, the most awesome camps. We can assign you to the most kick-butt mentors and we can answer your questions as best as we can, but ultimately, it's up to you. It's up to you to decide if you believe that Jesus was who he says he was. Yes, discipleship begins at home because discipleship starts with us each as individuals. So now that I've just given you the end of my sermon and basically told you that it's God, not us, who draws him to himself, let me circle back around to say, that would be a pretty depressing end of the story if it was just all about us and, and um, refining our own faith. There would be no need for my job, actually. Um, but that's not all. Seeking the lost, sharing the path of, to the living water in Jesus is actually what we're told to do by Jesus, but it's so much more than a command. It's a calling. It's a life to live into. The glorious mystery of it is that if we're willing we get to play a part in expanding his kingdom, bringing love and hope and peace and joy and justice to our hurting world. We can be the beautiful feet that run to our family members and friends and bring the good news. He is not in that tomb anymore. He is who he says he is. 
He's broken my chains and you, he can free you from yours. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the extraordinary part of that process is that in the process of discipling others, including our children, it actually increases and adds new color and texture and nuance and understanding to our own faith. We need each other. Jesus is like a diamond and he has so many facets. And to teach each other what we know about him will give us all a more gloriously full picture of our exquisite, breathtakingly beautiful Savior. It's more than a command. It's a calling. And like I said, it's a real life, a real life to live into. Parents, I want you to hear that about your kids. And students, I want you to hear that about your parents. You need each other. And it's really easy for us, especially in this society, in our, in our privileged life here in Santa Barbara, to put up roadblocks around us, to put up walls around us so we don't have to really interact and really see or know each other. And this expands beyond our families. But today I do want to focus on our families. I get nervous saying that because I know we're all coming from different places. I was telling my friends, like, we have people who are you know, estranged from their family members, estranged from their parents, estranged from their children, people whose parents are deceased, some much too early, although isn't it always too early? Um, and some of you don't, don't have children of your own. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. It depends on how, where life takes you. But um, I do believe that even though I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be painting with some broad strokes, I'll, I'll confess to that, about family relationships, um, but I believe that God's word never returns void, that his spirit is present in this place. Can you sense it? And that he has something to say to all of us this morning. So I'm going to lean into how God made me, and I want you to lean into how God made you. God made me an encourager. And I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but he did. That's how he made me. And there's actually moms at Monroe Elementary School who are like behind my back like, is she really that encouraging? Is, that, is she really that joyful all the time? Like, she, she mean that stuff? I do. It's just how God made me. It's who I am. Um, I love to encourage other people. So I'm an encourager, so I'm going to bring you some encouragements today, church family. Um, so it's really me, so let's get ready to be encouraged. Um, thank you for hearing about my life. Um, so there's this supernatural connection between parent and child, isn't there? Whether it's a bio parent or not, there's something existential, cosmic, something hyper-spiritual about this relationship we have between parents and kids. And you can go back in the rows of this church and watch it in action because we have so many babies here. Um, it is part of God's profound care and design. Um, so the first encouragement I want to bring you today, church family, is parents and kids, you were made for each other. Your connection, whether biological or not, is not a cosmic accident, but part of God's profound care and design. Is your family addicted to those nature shows like ours is, like Blue Planet, Planet Earth, Planet This, Planet Number Two, whatever? Um, so many sermon metaphors. Oh, my, fav my favorite mental picture is of the snakes chasing the lizards, but that's a totally different sermon. <laughs> so the one, the one I was deeply moved by the penguins. Um, I think it was in, I don't know, Planet something. Anyway. The, the, the king penguins, so the parent penguins have to go out and feed their babies, and they have to, like, face some real serious adversity in nature, 
And so these little fatties are like waddling down. They like have their babies and then they have to go down this huge hill and then they have to go past the sea lions and then jump in the ocean and then they're like swimming vigorously past the orca whales and the sharks and all these things that are going to eat them and then they finally get, if they make it that far, then they finally get to their food and they apparently like just gorge on fish and then they keep it in their neck for their baby. Mm. I, thought being a, I thought being a human parent was kind of hard, but I'm glad I'm not a penguin parent. Um, and then they have to swim. I don't even understand how they breathe with like chum in their throat for their kid. Back past the orcas, past the sharks, tiptoeing past the sea lions. And then there's this, this like moment and you're like, yes, pink, because of course they like choose one. And it's, I bet it's like more than one, but it's Hollywood. But they choose one to like follow along and that penguin, you're rooting for it. And so that penguin is waddling and it gets past the sea lines. You're like, yes, he's almost there. And he goes up the hill and you're like, how are his little tiny penguin feet gonna make it up that hill? And he does, he makes up the hill and they pan back. And you're like, oh, he's gonna make it to his baby. And he makes it to the top and there's 250,000 identical matching penguin babies in this valley. And you're like, he, he's, got the, he's got the stuff, he's got to feed it. How's he going to find his baby? And he does. He does. I, they, they don't say how long it takes. I like to think it's miraculously instantaneous. But he waddles through the sea of 250,000 fuzzy penguin babies and finds his own baby. That is a cosmic connection. He barfs in its mouth, and I don't want to go there, but... But there's this cosmic connection. If that's how much God cares about the penguins, that he created interconnectedness between them, that one penguin parent can find their baby in a sea of 250,000, how much more is God's care and his love for us? Parents and kids, I'm, gonna, I'm like a double agent today. I'm like, parents, let me talk to you, parent to parent. Students, we got a relationship, you know me. We hang out at camp. You've seen me after morning at camp. So I'm going to go back and forth, double agent. Parents, kids, I want you to sit in that truth for a second. You were made for each other. Kids, before the beginning of time, God designed you and he made you for your parents. It wasn't an accident. He made you to be in your family in this age, in this place, with those people. Parents, the same is true for you. And I want you to feel that, because it can be really, one of my mentors said, it's hard to be a high school student, it's even harder to be a parent of a high school student or an adolescent. And parents, I want you to sit in that truth. You are uniquely designed, uniquely designed. You were chosen for your kids. And that, like I said, transcends bio, not bio. Be encouraged, regardless of how hard life gets, this is a relationship that was designed and ordained by the creator of the universe. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that reassuring? Second encouragement, coming at you. My second encouragement, God deeply cares about this relationship, about the relationship of parents and their children, regardless of their age or stage of life. This is where we're going to get into some scripture, y'all. Suddenly I got southern. Join me, if you will, in Deuteronomy 5. It's on the screen. It's on the back of your program. It's a pretty obscure passage of scripture called the Ten Commandments. It's just a little, you know, you may not have ever noticed it. No, you're not. That was supposed to be funny. That's not funny. 
<sighs> I shouldn't read the written jokes. P.S. This is, but B.S., this is how I know I've grown because old Lila would have been like, that is not obscure enough. That is not heady enough. Who speaks out of 10 commandments? So lame. Um, but hey, no, new Lila's like, I got this. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> so here we are back to the 10 commandments. So team, you've heard of these commandments. To me, they're like a distillation of what God thinks is important. It's like the executive summary or the cliff notes of God's best way to live life. A couple observations from the 10, particularly in verse 5, which you probably heard before. So verse 5 says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land your Lord God has given you. So my first observation is this. This is the only commandment with a promise. If you do this, you get this. If you honor your parents, you will have a long, prosperous life. That's pretty good. Pretty desirable. The other ones, they don't make any promises. The other commandments... So the first four commandments address our relationship with God. The other six um, talk about our relationship with each other. And what's the first relationship he addresses? It's this one in number five. Their relationship between our, that first primary relationship we have. It's not our marriages. It's not our friendships, our relationship with our rude coworkers. No. God addresses the parent-child relationship first. And to me, he did that on purpose. To emphasize to us that this first relationship is really, really significant. And I think it means we need to pay attention to it and nurture it and try to make it strong and healthy regardless of whether I'm the parent or I'm the kid in that relationship. Second observation. Although this verse is most often cited in households with kids who are defying authority, um, we, have, we have none of those here. We have none of those here. All these kids, angels. You guys are all angels. Um, this verse makes no reference to age. To me, that speaks of God's desire for us to figure out what it means to honor our parents our entire lives. And that, again, he deeply cares about the health of that relationship because it's foundational to who we are. So what I want us to take away from this verse today is simply the encouragement that God cares about this relationship. Parents, your calling to raise a child is not easy. God sees you labor. Be encouraged today. He sees you work tirelessly to care for your families and do the best you can to raise your kids. And he wants you to know that your calling to raise a child is truly holy work. Keep going, stay encouraged. This is the most important work of your life. And he will give you all the tools you need. Be encouraged today. Kids, double agent, kids. God wants you to know that he didn't put you in your family by accident, that the people who are raising you weren't randomly selected, you are divinely appointed to be in their responsible care. So don't write them off. That's one of the biggest temptations that I see from my high school students especially. And a lot of time it's just in words, but it can reflect a real deep brokenness in their heart. Um, when they're having trouble at home, they kind of go into this monologue of, I'm just going to get through school and then I'm out of here. Um, so students, what I want you to think about today is that the relationship you have with your parents isn't really one we can write off or should write off. It's so important to the fabric of our lives, to the fabric of our families, to the fabric of our communities. It's so worth fighting for. Students, you don't want to grow up and have to go to therapy for daddy and mommy issues. Work on that relationship now. <laughs> Try to see the world from their perspective and understand where they're coming from instead of just writing them off. That's the mark of maturity and growth. My third encouragement, coming at you. God equips parents to mentor their kids in faith. You were designed for this work. Deuteronomy 6, 
Next chapter. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. So from my observation in the last four years as the youth pastor, there's, there's two things that get in the way of parents sharing their faith in Jesus with their kids. One is busyness, and we're, we all fall victim to it. Um, I don't have to tell you that. We know that. Um, but the second is our own insecurity. I know your internal dialogue because it's the same as mine. Internal dialogue says, is now a good time to talk about Jesus stuff? I don't know if it's a good time. It doesn't seem like a spiritual time. We're in the minivan. Is that spiritual enough? Or, I can't talk about Jesus. It'll seem like I'm too pushy. I want to be smooth and cool about my Jesus talk. I want to be open-minded, not one of those pushy people. Or, I can't talk about the Bible. I don't know enough about the Bible. What if they ask me about something I don't know about? What if they ask me about the dinosaurs? So, take it from someone who hangs out with Gen Z all the time. Gen Z, that's our kids right now. Gen Z. Some of them don't even know that. Some of, some of us don't even know that. Um, what Gen Z values more than any expertise is authenticity. They care more about, being, about you being real than being right. To me, what Deuteronomy 6 is talking about is creating normal and natural spaces to have real dialogue to help our kids feel like they have been heard and seen and known and understood. That's it. That's the magic formula. That's youth group right there. I'm out of a job. Um, now, the students, I'm encouraging, oh, no, now students. The, I'm encouraging your parents to have like normal, natural conversations and not to be all weird about it. But it takes two people to have a conversation. So it's up to you. In your mind, if you're making the choice today or in your life that you want to grow in your faith, and in your own and you want to grow in your maturity as well, lean in and respond and listen to your parents, even if you don't agree. That's the nature of conversation. It's like conversation catch. I throw a ball, you throw a ball, I ask a question, you respond. So go play catch with your parents. To me, what God is trying to say in Deuteronomy 6 is soak your life in the Lord. Every part of it. Often we don't intend to, but our business or our insecurity inadvertently model and reinforce compartmentalization of our faith. This is our Jesus life on Sunday from 10 to 12, Tuesday nights from 6 to 8 for youth group, but the rest of the week we're going after other things. And for a moment, again at the risk of losing my job or working myself out of a job, let me demystify youth ministry for you in an effort to remind you that as parents you are totally equipped to share with your kids about Jesus. Let's think for a second outside of our affluent Santa Barbara, North American, Western civilization context, and even outside of our generation here in the 21st century. Across the world, regardless of context, moms and dads of faith have been sharing the truth of Jesus with their kids throughout the generations, and the kingdom has continued to grow. Mentoring your kid in faith does not require an amazing youth group or entertaining camps. It's as simple as parent intentionality, sharing what you know about following Jesus and what he's done in your life. That really is the fundamentals of passing down and discipling your kids. I'm not saying youth programs are valuable. They are. I've devoted my whole life to them. 
What I'm saying is let's not subcontract our our parental responsibilities of being the primary place where our kids' faith is nurtured. And we can do it in confidence because we're originally designed for it. We were made for this job. We were made for this job. So my final encouragement, and this is kind of where I started today, is that the best way to mentor your child in faith is to intentionally nurture your own faith. Kind of the concept of putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you help other people. I have a vision for this church family, that we would move into a new chapter, a new season where we are going after this idea, that we are really going after mentoring our kids at home, where moms and dads intentionally shift the tone of conversations in our homes to be Deuteronomy 6 homes. We're sharing stories about God's faithfulness. This generation is all about storytelling and asking questions about the intersection of faith and real life and praying for one another are as common as watching Netflix together and checking our phones. And if we're serious about this, if something has caught your attention this morning, I'm gonna give you your first assignment. Parents, have you ever told your kids the story of how you became a Christian? Students, have you ever asked your parents how and when they started following Jesus? If you never have, Let's do that today. Let's, let's begin that shift because a big cultural shift like that always starts with a small, small baby step in a new direction. And then we keep following that direction and you know, soon enough, you'll see how much has shifted. So let's start that shift. The Lord made you for this. He made you for these types of conversations. He will be with you as you lean into life with him and venture into new and profoundly meaningful places of faith within your home and within your family. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.